Hey everybody, this is Drew. This is Blake. And welcome to the Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Controllers podcast. On uh, today's episode, Drew's going to go on the biggest killing spree he's probably ever gone on. I'm going to reminisce about childhood memories while I'm bored at work, and I'm also going to tell you the tale of a fantastic fox. You want to go ahead and kick us off, Drew? Yeah, I'm going to go real big today. I'm going to talk about Mafia 3. I am not going to be able to cover the entire game because of its size, but I'm going to go as much detail about everything that I remember and stuff that I wrote down as I could possibly do. Mafia 3 is a open world called Open World Murder Fest. Uh, you do drive cars and shoot people and do all that fun stuff. It is developed by Hangar 13. They are mostly known for the Mafia games. I'm not sure what else they've developed. I've played only Mafia 2 and then a couple of years later played Mafia 3. I did manage to uh, get all the achievements in this game. It requires two playthroughs because there's two different kinds of endings, which I will talk about later. It is rare that I uh, will play a game of its size twice, but I think this game is, I don't know if special is the right word, but it does a whole lot of things right. That's what got me to come back to it to play it a second time, mostly because I was looking that I could do all the achievements. I never saw the other side of the story. How long was it between your two playthroughs? Was it like back to back or? Uh, no, initially, I think somebody let us borrow Mafia 3 close to its release date. I don't even know what that is. And then it was maybe a year, year and a half later when I played it a few months ago when I did it again to, like I said, to experience the other side of the story and to play the three DLC packs that it received in between release date and now. Dope. Yeah. Real quick, I would say the game does look r really good, even now, even being a few years old. They did give it a, a little 4K push a few months back. I don't recall exactly what the game looked like before. I know that it, it wasn't gross looking or anything, and I imagine it looks much better now in 4K. I think it still looks amazing, even what today's games look like now. I don't know how to compare it before and after 4K. Well, what was the audio quality like? Are you talking about the graphics? Was the audio... I mean, the audio is just game audio. This game does have one of the best soundtracks of any game that I've played in a while, but there's two things. One, this game has a immense amount of licensed music because you have uh, the radio when you get in the cars, the radio plays music. And I was looking through music for the podcast, and I'm not going to play any licensed music because we're trying real hard to not get sued. But through playing the game, I realized I must have some weird affinity for the 1960s era music because all this whole game is based in the 60s. I probably should have led with that. I think 65 and 66. I loved a ton of the licensed music from this thing, and I didn't even know I liked music from that era. Era? Hmm. And to back that up, that, that stuff mostly plays in key moments in the story, and it'll play all the time when you're in a car. This game, it, But the game is backed up by a, an original score that plays when you're normally running around outside of cars or other story beats and stuff like that. That is the stuff that I'll probably decide to play in the background here. Along with looking good, I think the game plays incredibly well. Everything is very smooth and on point the driving feels good the shooting is top-notch and the I'm surprised to know that the sneaking around mechanics work very well leading to or helping you wipe out an entire buildings worth of people without them ever knowing you were there which I think is 
pretty amazing considering stealth wasn't really the focus of the game itself and or the main character's goals he was trying to accomplish with what he was doing. That said, the game, in this game you do play as Lincoln Clay. He is just returning from a deployment. Do not remember where he went, but he's coming back from war. He's going to go back and stay with a long time family friend, Sammy Robertson, and his son, Ellis, picks up Lincoln at the beginning of the game and they drive over to Sammy's bar. I don't really know a lot about Lincoln's actual family. I don't even know if they're going to mention that much because you mostly deal right off the bat with uh, Sammy Ellis and then pretty soon I will go into talk about Lincoln's wartime buddy, John Donovan. But the story itself mostly revolves around when you get back to Sammy's bar you were set up to meet an acquaintance of Sammy's, Sal Marcano, who is a big crime boss who pretty much runs the whole city. And Sammy's a little behind on paying what he needs to pay to stay in good graces. So Sal has set up a mission to go get all the money to pay him off and to, you know, put, give Sal money because Sal's always trying to get more money. He has ulterior motives, of course. You do go about doing this mission. I don't want to ruin missions for anybody who's going to play the game. You're going into it. It plays out pretty neat. You and a, a group of people are sent to rob a, a money reserve where they have a the plates you use to press money. And Oh, the mints? Or I don't know what they're called. They're just the presses. You're the templates to press know, money. To, I don't know. To press money to steal those. They're going to steal those because <laughs> Sal wants to use those to make more money and we end up Ooh. stealing money as well while we're there. Is it going to make counterfeit money? Uh, I don't know how, how, how counterfeit works in the 60s. I am railroading over a lot of this. There's a couple of characters that are there that are sent with you to do the mission. Lincoln himself goes, and then Sal's son, Georgie, another character, Danny, what's his name? Danny Burke, who is the son of another character I'll mention soon. Ellis does n I don't think Ellis goes. One, two, three, maybe Ellis does go, gosh. But they all, there's a pretty nice little elaborate plan they use to go take care of this big, big job. The job is supposed to set everybody straight and make everybody happy. All problems solved, all loose ends tied. That's the first mission of the game, right? I'm assuming that yeah. it there's doesn't. A there's a bit of story, <laughs> and then you go into the mission, you do a little step-by-step -step thing as you kind of poke the mission, get inside this place and do all this stuff. It's pretty elaborate and it should have worked. Something goes wrong and then an alarm is set off and then the murder fest begins. Lincoln has no qualms with slaughtering people by the dozen. You get out and do this awesome little, you go out through the floor and you end up in the sewers and there's this conveniently boats in the sewers and you use a boat to escape and you go back to the bar and everybody's celebrating a job well done. We somehow got out unscathed. Everybody's happy. Uh, we're there to celebrate. Sal shows up with another, I guess a lackey, Richie Doucet, may I say his name? He runs another lesser mafia and actually works for Sal. Sal runs, he's like the, the Don, I think's the word. The Don of the whole city. Richie just runs a smaller place called the Dixie Mafia. And they're all there celebrating and having a good time. And at that moment, everything kind of goes to hell. Sal shoots Sammy in the chest, I think. And then uh, Georgie shoots Danny Burke, who I mentioned earlier, and turns and then shoots Lincoln in the head. And while that's all happening, it's blurs and they start lighting fire to the place. Before you're blacking out, you see Richie Doucet, the douchebag I mentioned earlier. I guess you don't know he's a douchebag yet. He's about to be when he turns and you see him stabbing Ellis repeatedly in the gut. And you black out and all you see is fire. I want to note that during this scene, not only is the scene incredibly dramatic, the song they chose to play during this moment, right as the events start to escalate, is they play Paint It Black by the Rolling Stones. And that moment with the music as it kicks up as the events escalate is one of the coolest, I don't know, that's a bad word for everybody getting murdered, one of the craziest moments I've seen in gaming, or timing wise for 
music matching an event. You mean like edited or choreographed? Yeah, because it, it seems like as the, if I remember correctly, as the event starts, you kind of hear the song starting as the event escalates. The song picks up and picks up and picks up. And if you know the song, you know how yeah. the song goes. All the stuff happens. and it, I'm fa- I feel really dumb because I don't really know. Is that the proper time era? Time era? For what? Rolling Stone. They're, well, are they 60? That's what I say about the... Uh, about, I honestly don't know. I've never been alive forever. God, who knows? I, I didn't do research on all the, the bands. I assume that they... They're smart enough to know Yeah, that maybe it was. Hangar 13 would have done their research, obviously, and only picked tracks from the correct era. You know, they celebrated, if that's accurate, they celebrated if that song was the right era. <laughs> like, yes, this song's getting used I mean, no really? matter what. But I don't know for sure. Yeah. So all of that happens, and you end up waking up later. Lincoln survives because he's a a beast is an understatement. Uh, <laughs> the bullet seems to have bounced off his skull, and he survived. He is rescued by another old family friend, uh, Father James. You see Father James throughout the whole game because one, you you do interact with him quite a bit, and the game tells bits of its past and quite a bit more of its story through I guess what you call testimonials you see you get testimonials of Father James talking about what he thought of Lincoln before the war after the war before the events of the game and during the events of the game the parts he was involved in so you get lots of snippets of these confessionals with uh, Father James I don't know the guy's name there's some detective who was over the entire Sal Marcano case he talks about how insane Lincoln's quest was and you get some testimonial stuff of <laughs> the awesome John Donovan who seems like he's in the front of a board of directors or something we would say of maybe the FBI or CIA trying to grill him about his involvement and the nonchalantness he goes about that is some of the best scenes in the game because he doesn't hold anything back Lincoln does immediately set out for a quest of revenge which I forget who contacts who, but this is where John Donovan comes in. And John is an old war buddy of Lincoln's. So they've done been through the ringer together. And Donovan is a master of covert ops and gathering intelligence. So as you imagine, he is your go-to guy for the missions and pretty much everything else you do throughout the rest of the game. He has you completely covered in every aspect. He's pretty much the ringleader in all this. Or he's the brains and Lincoln's the brawn. Lincoln's not an idiot, thankfully. Donovan does not get his hands dirty so much in this game as he does later in a DLC what I'll come to. But I don't think Donovan's too... He's not worried about getting his hands dirty. I just think he lets... Because this is more of Lincoln's revenge than anything. Is it the fact... You said that Lincoln's not dumb, but is that like a... Is he more, would you say, short-sighted in his terms of revenge? He's just doing like what's in front of him while Donovan's like the big picture planner is that yeah Donovan more or less points Lincoln in the right direction after you go where you're going and kill the, just, the last 50 people you kill Donovan points you in the direction of the next 50 people to kill oh, he like, just Don- aims Don- the cannon he pretty much aims the cannon <laughs> that, is, that is Lincoln I don't mind Lincoln's character at all Lincoln, Lincoln has a lot of great moments and actually a lot of good dialogue and I know there's, there's a there's a great line that I'm I can't spoil. There's a great line in one of the DLCs. Uh, I know it's dumb to say this and then not tell you the line, but it's it's like telling somebody a joke from a comedian. You tell the joke and the joke's you're like, oh, there's not that funny. It was like, well, you had to be there, and we're not going to do that. As you're setting up all this, because Lincoln's plan is to take down, so him and Donovan have ran ops before, which involved taking down a larger enemy, and to do that... You take away everything beneath them and eventually leave the the big bad alone with no help, no anything, and that's when you take down the big bad. And Sal Mercano is obviously the big bad. And Donovan has already have pretty much has most everything set up to who you have to tackle. Eventually get to Sal Mercano. And obviously that's how the game sets up. Because open world games have, you do missions, you do missions, you do missions, you do missions, you do missions. And that's what you do. That's So that's the basic structure of the game. You go from district and district of the city, taking down the bad guys and taking over the city. To assist you in this, you are going to meet and recruit three underbosses. And you can divvy up the city as you take it over to them in bits and pieces. The first one you actually meet is Cassandra. 
She doesn't have a last name. Turns out she's very mysterious. Nobody really knows a whole lot about her. You get a few testimonials from the FBI guy. I'm not sure what much Donovan says about her, but you don't ever really get her last name. She is the leader of the Haitian Mafia. Haitian Mafia. And she mostly is trying to end human trafficking in the area. Apparently human trafficking for poor people in the town has gone rampant. And I said the town and realized I've never haven't yet to mention the city that this is based in. The whole game is based in a made up city called New Bordeaux. Pretty sure that's not a real city. I think it's a made up city. Kind of has the, the feel of New Orleans with the swamps and city. There's actually a whole downtown and it kind of fades away into smaller little suburbs and then fades out even more into like shacks and then marshlands and stuff like that. <clears throat> I don't have a lot to say about Cassandra. I didn't care for her character. She was a little snooty a lot of the time. And as it turns out, she doesn't care at all about what Lincoln is doing. She just kind of, in the beginning, wants to use Lincoln to get back her land. Her little hub of the city, uh, Delray Hollow, I think it's called, where she she really just wants that back. After that, she's not really any more use to Lincoln, and she doesn't even have all that much more story that I even bothered getting involved with her. On my first playthrough, I did her side missions, because I was trying to do everything. In my second playthrough, I didn't even bother with her at all. I recruited her, and then later, which I will get to, I later murdered her and felt good about it <laughs> yeah she had to go she was the i think she was no she was the second person second of the underbosses that i killed next person you will meet is thomas burke he is the leader of the irish mob he deals mostly in the scrap shops stealing vehicles and all that kind of stuff you remember burke from me mentioning earlier he was his son danny burke who was killed in sammy's bar so burke actually has a personal stake and the takedown of Sal Marcano, which makes him a little more useful, not useful, wrong word, um, makes his character a little more interesting for what he has to do in all this. Like a, a little more, like, pliable? Yeah, or, he just um, seems like he cares more. Like, I mean, Cassandra didn't, Cassandra didn't lose anything. To, well, I, mean, I mean, maybe Sal is why she lost control of her area, but Sal, I don't think, without digging any much further, I don't know if Sal killed anybody personal to her. That's fair. But, uh, so he has his son, Danny, who you saw was shot in the beginning, and he has a daughter, Nikki, who you meet, and she is his second-in-command, so if anything happens to Burke, she clearly takes over. He does the vehicles mostly. She runs the moonshine operation <laughs> for the whole mob. I did read something interesting about her that I'm going to read straight off my phone for the first time on a podcast. There is an exchange of dialogue that I remember hearing in the game, and I didn't know the implications of the dialogue, and I think it was actually kind of interesting. So here, it says, at the end of Brave New World, which is a quest, Burke tells Lincoln that Nikki is usually at the distillery when she isn't out quail hunting. Lincoln replies that quail isn't in season. Burke states, for her kind, it's always in season. This is a derogatory reference to Nikki's homosexuality, quail being an old slang term for women. I thought that was pretty interesting because without that's never touched on in the game no matter how many times you talk to her. I would have even known that. I just stumbled upon that on the internet and it's a strange of the time, you know, of the 60s of the times kind of detail that I just kind of glance over it. I mean, obviously, Burke, back then, Burke would have known of her sexuality and obviously didn't approve. So, But they never actually speak of that in the game, and I just thought that was kind of interesting. Well, apparently he doesn't disapprove of it that much if he's, she's his second-in-command. Well, his son's dead. Oh, well, that makes more sense. So his options are quite limited. You never see them really fight or anything, because I remember in the game, I think they're... You know, they're Irish, so there's a lot of drinking and hollering. I don't think there's ever any much fighting. They just tolerate. <laughs> tolerate and deal with each other. <sighs> yeah. Is there anything else for Bert? Okay. After Thomas, yeah. He said, Thomas. Thomas. You will eventually meet Vito Scarletta. And what's super cool about Vito is that he's actually the protagonist of Mafia 2, which I played and enjoyed quite a bit. Had a good time with Vito back then. Of course, Vito was much younger he was a young up-and-comer in Mafia 2. He goes through quite a growth and does all kinds of his own little, a much smaller scale murder fest. Was, he doesn't kill nowhere near as many people as Lincoln does. His Mafia 2 is more of a Mafia tale where 
Mafia 3 is mostly about revenge. He does end up in New Bordeaux after being, I think he is, what's the word? Uh, a made man? He's made? Well, he's made's one thing. I'll exp- what made means that he's banned or something. I can't remember the word I read. Excommunicated? He's banned from the city of Mafia 2 because of his actions. Because you kill somebody at the end of Mafia 2 and that gets him in some sort of trouble. It's been, well, it's been a couple of years. Mafia 2 was on the uh, 360, so it's been even longer since I played that. He gets He's not allowed to go back to Empire, Empire Bay ever again, so he's sent away to this city. He is what I come to find out is something called a made man, which in the Italian mafia or mob, means he's reached some sort of status where he cannot no longer just be killed out of the blue for no reason because the the larger governing body of them, the commission, sets these rules and boundaries that these people have to follow and if somebody was to go after and kill Vito, they'd have to answer to the commission, which nobody ever really wants to do, which leads to you finding out Vito's problems is that he has been an underboss, I guess you would say, for Sal for a for a while. And Sal is not a fan of Vito at all. I can't remember if Sal has, or if they've done something to each other, but Sal has been taking measures to try to find a way around Vito's maid status. That's where you come in, where you come to save Vito, where he's been captured. And Sal has set up this whole thing where he got away. It's complicated. The government, not the real government, but the governing of the, the mafia. There's some rules and loopholes and stuff that Sal's trying to use so he can kill Vito. But you end up, of course, saving Vito, and Vito swears his loyalty to Lincoln to help Lincoln take down Sal. So Vito doesn't have like personal stakes so much like Thomas, but still, it has been. Sal has treated him like garbage for quite a long time. Oh, well, say Vito sounds like somebody uh, you definitely want in your corner. If he's a made man, he has he's got some connections to some well, people. He's, he's lost. And when he got banned, whatever it is from Vito, he he got he lost all his connections to everything. I think he was. But I mean, I don't think you can lose a made status, but you can get everything else taken away from you. Uh, now, don't quote me on this. You have to dig deep into those laws and stuff like that of how they handled things back then. Well, I'm sure you could send a telegram <laughs> to somebody and get like a a special weapon delivered or. A, you know, I mean, I who know. knows? Well, what Vito's person, <clears throat> each of the three underbosses that work for you, do give you a special ability or people that work for them. Cassandra's person, you call and they the guy brings you weapons and ammo in the back of a van. It's pretty great. Thomas's guy is pro- the one you use the most. I feel like Thomas's person obviously brings you whatever car you selected. They come and deliver cars to you, and then Vito's person. Because you're holding cash, and then you can bank cash. If you're holding money and you die, you drop it, but you can just bank it. Vito's person is a woman who drives up and takes your money straight to the bank for you. So I found that pretty interesting. Yeah. Excuse me, pretty cool. Another thing to note for Vito is his series of side missions. All the characters have side missions, but Vito's is slightly more interesting because if you've played Mafia 2, one of the last things you see... Well, throughout Mafia 2, a lot of it is about Vito and his best friend, Joe Barbaro, they you do a lot of stuff with them together. They're like lifelong friends. Like since they were kids, they grew up together. Do the whole thing. He does all this stuff with you throughout that whole game. But the end of Mafia Two, y'all are when Vito's given whatever status he's given, some protection status. I don't know if he's been. Well, that's the main thing or not. Joe isn't given the same courtesy. And when you drive off in the end of Mafia Two in the back of a car with some people, you kind of don't know what happened. I don't feel like. And then you find out in this game, of course, that Joe was killed, murdered, whatever. So Vito sends you on a series of additional murders for the people who were all involved in the planning and execution of Joe himself. Were these uh, small bloodbaths or big bloodbaths? There is no small bloodbaths in Mafia. Everywhere you go, it's it's almost guaranteed any any particular thing you do is double digits on kills. Hey, double Without fail. Oh, jeez. Alright, moving on. Blah, blah, blah. So you start systematically taking down all the districts of the city and you divvy up each section of the town to whoever you like the most, per se, or you do it evenly. This leads to the ending of the game, I'll tip ahead, when you're dividing space up, three people will be mad or happy with you depending on how it plays out and what, how much property influence influence they're given over the town my initial first playthrough i divided it all evenly and everybody was happy with me and i guess it led it's been years but it a year or two but it led to some sort of happy ending in the end where everybody's still around 
on playthrough two, I was much more interested in Vito, so I gave literally everything to Vito, and everybody got mad. I think Burke first, so I ended up killing Burke, and his daughter takes over the remainder of the game for him, and somehow she doesn't try to kill you. I don't know if they're... I don't know. You kind of just go talk to her, and she's like, damn you, Lincoln. He's like, well, there was no other way. And they kind of just shake it off and move on with their lives. Maybe they ran out of memory. Well, or what it feels like, and I'll say the same thing, we ended up killing Cassandra, too, and some other guy, I don't even remember his name, takes over for her. The Haitian. Some, some other guy. Some other Haitian. Maybe it's Haitian. Some other Haitian guy. I don't remember his name. He takes over, and you're, he's just like, what you did was bad, Lincoln. Lincoln's like, all right, do your job. And and they just <laughs> shake it right off. I mean, it, and it, it's the writing is a little on the weak side, I feel like. I don't think that is the right way to play. I think as the story plays out and the idea of what Lincoln is trying to do, I feel like the game is supposed to be played as you use all three of these people to the, their most potential. You think the reason why the writing was sort of bad was because they're like, it just is a way to prove this isn't the way you're supposed to play the game, that like no, no one should be playing it this way. That's why I want to put a lot of effort into it. Why would they? There's no reason. There's, there's no, without getting it involved to find out some developer interviews or anything like that, I don't think there's any real way to know why it feels that way. And that could just be me. Maybe a lot of people, maybe anybody who played Mafia 2 would have went straight and just gave everything to Vito anyway. That's fair. It seems, he seems to be the best choice. Well, also, like, if the people like, oh, what you did was bad, would you really want to get to an argument with the guy who just murdered your boss? I feel like that's why they, I feel like that's why they just keep working with you anyway. The real tamed, real cold, not cold. He does cold them. That's, that's one word for it. I think it's a word, you know, I knocked down a peg, tamed. But as you go through, you take all these people down like you literally like it's it's crazy i mean like i said we said in the intro i've i've literally i can guarantee in one playthrough not even two you combine two it's nuts in one playthrough of this game i have the highest the highest body count i've ever had in any video game i've ever played like the amount of murder is it's unreal i almost said unnerving maybe it's unnerving with the kills were there any sort of like what's it like environmental kills anything like that stuff like that like, I don't know, a, a wood chipper somewhere? No, 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 or, no I like uh, that. Uh, I feel like Lincoln's very hands-on. There is a knife about the size of his arm that he kind of whips out of his magic video game pocket <laughs> when you go to stab people in the throat repeatedly. I think you blow up these super famous red barrels. That's one thing. You can run people over with cars, that kind of normal stuff. I, as a tale for revenge, I feel like the how hands-on Lincoln is is... How they intended to be played. You can uh, knock people out and throw them to alligators, which is pretty funny. And they people, other people will freak out when alligators are eating their friends. I thought that was pretty funny. You do go to a alligator farm at one point. There's a lot of people and a lot of gators in there, and you can imagine how that goes. But as you go around taking out these places piece by piece, the larger you start with, kind of low down nobodies, and you work your way up to these other people who uh, I'm not doing all their names because there's like 14 or 15 other people. And eventually leads you to the big names. Those other smattering of people are, as you get higher up, Lincoln does make examples of a couple of people. Uh, he hangs one person up on a cross, I think. He hangs, there's a guy in the beginning that he hangs from a Ferris wheel and turns the Ferris wheel on and he rolls all the way around and it shows, it's like, it's, it's like this stuff that Lincoln does is uh, on the car radio the next day as news is like reporting these horrific events. There's a guy on the Ferris wheel, there's the guy... You hang like on a cross at, at, a, at a rally. This dude's like running a, a KKK rally, and you know Lincoln is a gigantic black man, so he's not for that. So you kill, go kill, wipe out a whole big batch of KKK. Really enjoyed that. One of my more favorite ones, which is kind of repeated near the end, is a banker type dude, and you climb a really, really, really large building and get to the top, and he tries to talk his way out of it. And you pretty much sparta him out the top floor window of this building, and he falls all the way down and splats on the freaking pavement. <laughs> Please tell me he's carrying like a big bag of money, and it just goes. Well, there is a big bag of money in the room that you end up taking with you. You do end up taking a lot of money from a lot of places. A lot of these places just have money lying around, and as you take down the rackets, they're called. As you take down the rackets, you're murdering people, converting people to your side, and or murdering them. And just picking up bags of money everywhere you go. Well, I imagine those people didn't trust banks. All that. Oh yeah, some mafia. Yeah, yeah, they a lot of really trust banks. The bank. That banker dude's job. His whole job was to figure out where the money's going and how to hide it and do all that funny stuff. And he 
pop them out a window into that. All this other stuff, these smaller time people do lead to the bigger people, which is the rest of the Marcano family, which uh, Sal, being the big one, has a couple of brothers. Actually, it's all brothers. I, I get confused by this one other lady, which I'll explain here in a minute. His youngest brother, Tommy, does... I don't remember what, what exactly he was running. He actually captures... The whole thing goes down where he captures Lincoln and is like covered Lincoln and <laughs> covered Lincoln in gasoline. And Lincoln, the dude talks a big game, talks some trash, and then Lincoln breaks free, of course, because that's what he does, and covers him in gasoline and lights that guy on fire, which is very enjoyable. Are you going to ruin, spoil all the deaths for all those people? Yes, sorry. Okay, he's okay. So you meet another brother uh, throughout the game. You don't actually meet him to the end part of killing him. There is a Lou Marcano, which he's called Lucky Lou on the radio. You actually hear a lot of his commercials for whatever businesses and stuff he's dealing in. You, it's crazy to hear his voice a lot throughout the game. Every time you hear in a car, it's the music playing, or it's Lucky Lou trying to sell you something or tell you to go somewhere and buy something else. He has a great mission after you do some other stuff, and, but when you go to deal with him, it's on a riverboat. I'm going to go into how you go on the riverboat, because, you know, Donovan figures that out for you how to get onto the moving riverboat and then you say we sink that riverboat and then Lincoln as uh, big fat Lou somehow gets off that thing and is running through the swamps and you chase him down for a minute and he'll, he tries to talk some crap and say some things and maybe even beg for mercy as Lincoln takes out his arm sized Bowie knife and jabs it right in Lou feel we're good about that one too that was exciting as fire, but everything leading up to that event with the boat and stuff like that is all fairly exciting. Was that knife from balls to brain, or is it just like right in the gut? Right in the gut. Oh, oh, better if you kind of like disembowel them go, or something. Go for the meat. Uh, Lou is a big, big old fat guy. Got a lot of meat. <laughs> then you learn about the one other brother, which is Lucio Marcano. You don't actually meet this guy because he's dead already when the game starts, and he was allegedly killed by his wife, Olivia. Marcano, she marries in, and she is actually one of the other big-time bosses that you end up attacking. You do a whole great thing where you infiltrate a party she's throwing. You infiltrate in as the help, and you... <laughs> of course. Donovan bought you a bunch, not bought, or however, Donovan acquired you a bunch of uh, LSD, I think it is. <laughs> and I think it's LSD. It's something you can put into syringes, and you go through and you syringe a bunch of bottles of wine. Because this place is loaded with guards and it's a big party, but you go through and you syringe the bottles of wine and you walk around and you serve all these people all this LSD-ridden wine and everybody's tripping balls. People are walking around half-naked and saying random stuff. The guards are passed out. And you get up and take down Olivia. And this is one of the weird ones is that Lincoln has a code where he doesn't kill women, I think is what it is, because he actually doesn't kill her. He tells her to you know, back off, step down, do all that fun stuff, and Lincoln lets her survive. But she don't last for long because good old Georgie Marcano, Sal's son, is sent to the hospital to take care of her. So you later find out. You see the scene and then you find out. Then hear everybody go on the radio. You find out that she's taken care of too. Hmm. And after everybody. Is that Does Lincoln take revenge on Georgie for. Well, I mean, he's, that he's Sal's get, son. I'm getting After all of that is done. Well, between all of this, you find out. That Sal's big plan is he has all these people and all these connections to build this giant. He's trying to go legit and by go legit, he's trying to, trying to commit all this crime on the front end to end up being legit on the other end. And by screwing everybody else involved, he's trying to use all these people and all these connections. A lot of these people you've met and murdered throughout to get the law changed, you kill a judge. You kill all kinds of people, believe me. You kill a judge, all these people who are, he's trying to get gambling legalized on like the other side of this river, and he's going to build a giant casino and use and funnel all this money to this casino and then use the casino to retire and live out the rest of his life legitly and safe from cops and actually to get out of the business. So after you've taken down absolutely everything, you end up going to said casino on the other side of the river which it's it's like it's mostly built i think there's construction in it and stuff like that you do start a very fresh murder fest at the bottom of that casino and work your way up killing unknown number of people throughout getting up at and eventually killing into a gunfight and you lincoln just shoots and does away with georgie on the way up there i'm sure there's some 
dialogue exchanged there that I don't want to spoil. There's a lot of emotions running rampant. And you get to the top, and Sal says his little piece of why he did these things, why he wanted out, and all that fun stuff, and refuses, or refuses, or doesn't feel the need to apologize for what he's done. Not that I think apologizing would have stopped Lincoln anyway. You are given a choice to spare and or kill Sal. I don't remember originally, but I'm pretty sure without giving it a second thought on my second playthrough, and I imagine my first one, I killed him because I'm not going to go through all this work just to spare this guy. And there is some stabbing involved, and then he goes, once again, flying out the top window of his casino. And then you get your little, however, whatever ending that you've managed to wrap up. I don't remember the endings per se, because I think it's more about, like some video games, it's more about the journey and the destination. What is that? It's a journey before destination. That's the you enjoy the ride. The ending doesn't really matter. Yeah, so it's wrap up like you expect. Well, not, not everybody's happy because a lot of people were dead, and you know all Lincoln's family's dead. And depending on what you've done, you either have three new friends and families you have, or you've murdered Cassandra and Burke. And uh, well, one of them has to survive. You can't kill all three bosses. So all that fun stuff happens, which does lead to there are three DLCs for this game. The first one of which is called Faster Baby. I didn't much care for it. You you just you're sent to a another county outside of New Bordeaux, which is being mishandled by a super racist cop or sheriff. And you know what Lincoln's gonna do to a super racist cop or sheriff. He's gonna go down there and kill everybody and then eventually kill that sheriff. And that's exactly what you do. I didn't think the DLC was very fun. It doesn't add a lot to the game. You get a new car out of it. And you get the ability to get a, a grow house where you can grow and sell weed to your underbosses. So I suggest if you are playing the game and you want to do all the DLCs, I would do this one as early as you can in the game. So you can start making that money right away. Because it's you know, a lot of money from that and you have to expand the grow house and get more money. And you sell to your other underbosses. And actually quite a little complicated little system involves in growing that. There's achievements involved. So you know I grow a crap ton of weed. In the uh, game. In the game, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I'll note that in the game. Anything else in that DLC? You meet a, some other characters. There's not really anything terribly fun about it. Do you get any like sort of special weapons or anything like that? Like like the sheriff's pistol, but it's called the. I think so. Boom. You look really at this car. Girl drives is a little heavy, more heavily armored than any car you have. You get that for completing it. I did drive that car quite a bit. Not just the DLC, but for the whole game, was there any sort of like super special weapons? No, the game's pretty. Aside from the fact that there's no chance in hell a human being could kill as many people as Lincoln did and survive the whole ordeal, the game is based fairly solidly it's in reality. Very grounded. Yeah, there's no lasers or any insanity um, like that. I wasn't expecting lasers, but I was just expecting just, I don't know, like a sawed off shotgun pistol or something. I don't know. Not even that silly. Yeah, everything's pretty realistic. The second DLC, which is maybe the most noteworthy of the three that there are, is called Stones Unturned. This actually involves you going on a little expedition with Donovan. We will mention that this one, you actually get to leave the map of New, New Bordeaux and you go to a whole new map, which is a jungle setting, and you're chasing down a old acquaintance of Donovan who is got his hands on some nukes or some codes for some nukes for some reason he's going to blow some crap up the dude's just crazy and you chase him down and you guessed it you kill a crap ton more people getting to him and eventually you don't kill him yourself you get a scene with donovan where donovan talks to him and that whole little scene plays out i won't spoil it it's a good it's a good scene for donovan and then you and donovan trek back to new bordeaux i'm not sure what that gives you in the main game there's no there's like a special like an army outfit or something. There's no like so there's no crazy guns. There's no vehicles involved in that. That's more of the the most story driven of the three DLCs. Well, does it give you like the ability to wiretap faster or no. wiretap no. remotely? Yeah, I didn't mention that. Uh, I don't, I'm not even bothering going into wiretapping. Okay, that's just that's something now. you do in the districts to help you gain control of the districts. The final DLC and probably the most meaningful though you sort of do the least is called signs of the times you actually spend this whole dlc gathering money and people to renovate and rebuild and reopen sammy's bar and this is where you reminisce and you meet a lot of, of the surviving people who talk about sammy and talk about what you've done and how much you mean to the community and all that fun stuff so that's like the um 
the epilogue to the whole game. Pretty much, it's like, pretty much bow on the end. So, because I've always I love a good solid epilogue. Yeah, it's kind of. I'm surprised it wasn't part of the main game to be honest. But it, I mean, it's, it's it doesn't hurt that it adds in a little title to bow on the end. I mean, it could have been. Maybe they cut it because for time restraints. Time restraints. Because it, it doesn't add a lot of. Because it's obviously in New Bordeaux as well, and there's. The only missions you have is you go and deal with some more of the Dixie Mafia guys have like stolen some stuff or done some other nasty, and you go and kill some Dixie Mafia guys. I felt like it was just filler to get to the point of you renovating the bar and bring it, putting it back together. I think the the woman who comes, there's a woman, oh crap, I don't know her name, Sammy's sister. She comes back into town and she wants to take over and reopen the bar. And the, she's real nice to she, she knows Lincoln, of course. She's basically Lincoln's aunt or auntie i don't know how that goes she's a real nice lady and she's super proud of lincoln i'm not entirely sh if she knows and or approves of the methods that lincoln took to get to where he is now it could be just blissful or, or we're not blissful willful ignorance yeah it could willful. be she knows but she's like i'm not gonna dig that up because he had to he's you know what i mean maybe you're yeah and that is what i have Obviously, there's a lot more to the game, but I feel like I touched on the major characters and stuff like that. I don't want to spoil every little thing that you do because a lot of the different people you murder and stuff like that all have a little bit of story. And some of them are different kinds of set pieces and stuff like that. I don't want to spoil it. It takes the fun away if you know, say I talk about some spoilers, but if you know every little bit of this game, as you're driving up to a place, you're like, oh, I already know about this. You're just going to run through it. I will hope people who haven't played this game will play it. If you like murdering people as much as I do, you'll have a good time with this game. In video games. In video games. Murdering people in video games. I think I want to wrap it up there because I have just spent an extreme amount of time on one game. With that, I'm going to pass things over to Blake to spend, probably not as long, on a much smaller game. Blake? A very, very, very short game compared to what... How long did you play... I really should have 50 looked, hours, 60 looked, hours. Looked that up. I will say that, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to change games here, as I touched in the first playthrough of Mafia, I've tried to do every little stinking little thing, all the collectibles. Realize on the tail end of that, there's no real achievements for collectibles, and I was like, I wasted so much time. Was there any in game content for that? Did they unlock extra costumes or I, extra? Who knows? Playthrough number two of Mafia 3 was a rapid fire shoot straight through, didn't stop for any collectibles. It was rapid fire, nonstop murder, and I will recommend since the collectibles are pointless that the story flow of that game and the pacing of that game works a lot better if you just shoot straight through it, doing the missions and killing everybody as you feel like. Because the the game itself is supposedly portrayed over a, the whole operation over a couple of months. So it does feel right that you would just be running straight through mission to mission to mission, getting the business done. Because realistically, you wouldn't have time to dilly-dally. Yeah, Lincoln wouldn't be running around collecting. The collectibles are like magazines. There's Hot Rod magazines and stuff like that. Interesting one is there's Playboys, and I think they're actual 1960s Playboys. <laughs> like I think they got legit stuff. Because you can flip through these things. Then you can flip through the car magazines, you can flip through the Playboys, and I think they're real. I don't, I don't know how you license that stuff, or maybe they made it all up, who knows. I don't know how they could have afforded all the licensed music. There's like over a hundred tracks of licensed music, so I don't know how I mean, they, they afford all of this stuff. They could have asked, I mean not the music of course, but for something like a magazine, they probably could have just asked and people are like, awesome. oh that's free publicity, why not? 1960s playboys. Because they're not making any money in that's the 1960s. Well, anyway, we uh, yeah, threw off the side, let's, let's get back over to let Blake talk about his game. Right. My game is called where the bees make honey. Basically, you're playing as a lady named Sunny who has been called in to work as a telemarketer. She's been called in to work all alone because apparently her sales have been less than everybody's and her boss is like, well... What kind of job was it? It's a telemarketing. She, like the opening cutscene, she's like, hey, this is so-and-so calling from Teleclick. This is... Yeah. It just click. It's literally like 15 clicks and then the... She has a little inner monologue about, like, what am I doing here? I I just, what am I doing here? Just getting hung up on all the time. I had, you know, I don't remember things being this bad not too long ago. And so, like, the whole point of the story is she's 
reminiscing about her childhood, like somewhere like her. I think it was like her favorite year of childhood. Like I did a little bit of research. This game was kickstarted. Oh, really? Yeah, it was a kickstarted game that had like three hundred and something backers. They only needed five grand to make the game. They made like five grand. Five grand made that game. Yeah, they made about I think sixty one hundred. Little. That's an indie game right there. Well, the entire game, it was... Well, the developer was a Wakefield Interactive, yeah. which I found out was a single dude. Ooh, nice. A single dude did the whole game. Like, he had collaborators, like someone did the music, music and yeah. stuff That's like... Cool. But he, he was the only... He was the main developer. And the only other one that I can remember off the top of my head, she was the voice actress for Sonny. And I also happened to do... One of the... I don't listen to music that often, but... And like I think it's the final level of the game. They play a, a little cutesy, creepy Halloween song hmm. called "Ghost and Ghouls" or "Ghost and Goblins." Right, I, I, now you've named a song that I have to go find. Yeah, hopefully if you can find it. Right. I don't know. What happens is it goes through each level is a season. You you hit summer, spring, fall, winter. and winter. It goes winter, spring, summer because the last game is fall. The last level you go to is fall, okay. and it's the Halloween one. And each of the four, understand, Drew spent, we'll say, 100 hours in the Mafia. I was able to play through this game twice in order to get the 1K for it under two hours. You had a TA guide. I did have a TA guide for it. Yes, I definitely had a TA guide. I'll be playing this soon. I can't say we'll speak of it again after this, though. Probably not. Random milestone for myself, this game did push me over my 200,000 mark on my gamer score, so I'm excited for that. Not only is the, like, each level goes through, because it's weird, because it has, like, this, I'm not going to say realistic, because it's not, (laughs) but you start out normal as the girl in her office, and then something happens, and she's got to go by herself, walk all the way down to the basement to like trigger, uh, to turn on some power. To, like, oh, is that those weird puzzles I saw you doing? Yeah, that was her in the office. Well, part of it was. I, I, I didn't was. know what that was. But so weird. And then once that happens, I guess she just starts daydreaming because she's bored of the office. Because then on the trek up, your office building, as soon as you get back to your office, it kind of turns into a jungle. And then she's a little kid going through some of her memories. One of them is the jungle one, which she's on a safari to get to what she needs. Another one is, I'm saying these out of order because I don't really remember, but one of the other ones was you get to play as a little Tonka, not Tonka, uh, a little RC car, and just drive basically, it's like down her driveway to the beach is all it is, but it's, it's a long, epic adventure. It's all part of this, but that's what it is, voiceover talking. Yes. While you're doing, while you're playing the game, it's voiceover, mm-hmm. telling the story. And then there's that one. There's another... What was the rabbit? Okay, that, that's my next one. The rabbit was actually... I think it was a fear or something. Because... rabbits? No, it, it was... A, it was presented in a cute way. Because the rabbit you're playing as isn't actually Sunny. It's Sunny's mother. And that particular storyline was about her being lost in a grocery store. And so you're playing as Mama Rabbit, which is her mother in the real world. And you have to literally jump through all these obstacles and this, this platforming that doesn't work well. But once you get the timing down, you have to jump way before you get to the edge. And then she rockets. It's the it wasn't. It probably isn't a mastermind of platforming being developed by one guy. I yeah. doubt there was a ton of playtests. But this isn't the next Mario. No. <laughs> but I, I, I did enjoy that, and it it did its cool art style change for every single level. Every single level does have a distinct art change, art style difference. Have you have you seen? Edith Finch yet? No, I this song I have it downloaded to play. Ooh. I think this is I could be wrong. This sounds reminiscent. I haven't played it either. I've watched Jessica play a smidge. It sounds rem- reminiscent of the what remains of Edith Finch. Every part of that game you play is something else and you're experiencing something different. Let's not get on the two sides. That does yeah. make me think if you're hearing about this game and you've played Edith Finch, let us know if you played Edith Finch and tell us if it sounds anything like this game. At the end of each level there is a puzzle a honeycomb puzzle because the whole point of this thing is the reason where the bees met honey is one of her big childhood memories was her favorite thing to do was and her mom let her do it she had a, a bumblebee halloween costume she wore everywhere and she just loved bees for whatever reason but at the end of each story mission there is a puzzle of where you have to collect three honeycombs and these were pretty cool i actually like this is my like second favorite part of the game they were three-dimensional cubes, similar... The only thing I can think of off the top of my head was it was similar to Fez. 
because you would use the the bumpers, the left bumper, right bumper, rotate the map, and you would rotate it and right. to reveal different things. But as you, depending on what direction you rotated, if I did left or did right, certain things moved on different planes to unlock path. Okay. But like, if I was like looking around and just clicking the right bumper over and over again, it's like, what do I do? I don't understand. I have to go back through and click left bumper to get back to the thing, and something would have changed depending on which bumper you were clicking, which direction you spun it. Mm -hmm. it was that's complicated? It, no, not really. Like you get used to it. Plus, it's so small. Like I imagine it could be complicated on like a big scale, but it's literally just usually a room, like four or five little, four or five little squares or honeycombs, I guess. That you it's just you only spin. have to find three for each. No, I mean, are they shaped like? Is it shaped like honeycombs? No, you're literally collecting a honeycomb. What oh. you lock on is probably like a cube. It's literally like a, a cube face, okay. and you and you're only looking at the four sides of the cube anyway. And I enjoyed most of those. I will say the game does require two playthroughs because uh, there's a choice at the end. One of the choices is significantly happier, which is the first choice that I made. A much happier one, which leads to like you know you're like oh she's gonna go out and she's gonna be better. She's gonna be happy. The second choice was just downright depressing. Would you recommend, so if you're going to play the game twice, would you recommend doing the sad ending first and then leaving the game on a happy note on the second playthrough or vice versa? Does one ending feel more true than the other? I did it, I wouldn't, one ending said definitely more true. I did it very, and the choice is simply no or yes. That's just, that's the choice. I'm not going to explain what's going on. Even my guide recommended clicking no. Is that the sad one? Mm -mm. Knows the happy ending because okay. you're saying no to what's happening, and he's like, the guy was like, if you're gonna go through all of this, and if you're only gonna play it once, do no, do the better ending, and then the other one was just, just sad. <laughs> it was really sad. Surprise! It was just yeah, like, yeah, well, people, it's a short game, people should just play it. When I mean short, I was able to run through it twice in under two hours. The first time I played through while reading the guide, I think about an hour fifteen-ish. That initial playthrough, you're gathering other achievements, right? Yeah, I was the going through. Nitpicking mm -hmm. the missables and stuff like that. So a second playthrough, you're just straight running through it. Oh, yeah. Second playthrough. All you got to do is get to that final choice again. Took me 40 minutes. Oh, yeah. Well, I was also, it was one of those things where like, oh, I know what I'm doing, and I'm rushing. I just started failing. And I started, because I did, like, the my favorite mission, the final mission is a, a Halloween mission, which is kind of cool. Yeah. It also has that really good song. Not really good, but I just liked it. I, it, it was yeah. good. Again, you're forcing me to find a song. Sorry. But that one was Halloween-based, but I was able to get through that whole, they treat that last level, it, it gives it, because each level has a different game style, and this one, you have three heart pieces, and you have things kind of coming after you, yeah. and if you get hit, well, heart piece goes well. You get hit three times. You got to restart the whole this, level. This is the only time you have health. Yes, 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 yes. And I was able to make it through the my first playthrough. I don't know the entire thing, not get hit once. Mm -hmm. And then it took me six tries on my replay through, because I guess I was just too cocky. I was like I didn't know how to get through. I was trying too hard, and I was just I kept messing up. And it, I was getting so mad because like, I've already done this before. Why can't I get through this again? I've already done it before. <laughs> getting just yeah. that gamer rage. Yeah, everybody's been there. But even with trying that, I still managed to beat it in 40, like the whole game in for just 40 minutes. It's crazy. Yeah, and it was good. Yeah, I don't know what we paid for that game. It barely. It was on sale this week, wasn't it? Or last week is when we bought it. The yeah, the yeah, there was Xbox had some adventure it's, sales. It's, we bought we bought like nine games. So it was under yeah, five. Yeah, for it? the podcast, we bought like nine games that day. So it was definitely worth a few bucks. I mean, for sure. And I want to play it too before too long. I will say the the voice actress. Just the one. Sorry. She's just the one. So she does all the talking. She does. She does that, and she does the song. Okay. Are you sure? It's said in the credits, okay. yeah. Cool, cool. It, well, she, she's the voice of her mom, she's the voice of Sonny, she's the voice of someone else's mom oh. in the thing, and she's the singer. singer. Oh, that's cool. Her name was uh, Alexandria Wisner, and I enjoyed her. She was pretty good. I hope she cool. gets more work. I don't really have a whole lot to talk about the game, because I don't want to... Because it's so short, I don't want to spoil... Yeah, every little thing you say it just takes, takes away from the experience of doing exactly. it. Exactly. Okay. Anything else you want to mention? Not, not really. That's yeah. fine. Just play it. I mean, I spent 45 minutes on a much larger game, which now, so you've heard me talk so much, uh, we're, I'm going to hand it off again since I did music last week. It's going to be Blake's turn to do another movie for y'all. So we're going to let Blake talk about the fantastic Mr. Fox. I'm pretty sure a lot of people have probably seen this movie, at least I hope. 
Really? I mean, I don't know, because uh, the director is Wes Anderson, yeah. and he's done great work. Yeah. Was it The uh, Secret Life or The Aquatic Life with Steve Zuzo? Zozo? He makes a lot of weird movies. Yeah, though, The Grand Budapest Hotel, which is, I think, his most newest one. If I'm not mistaken, I think he did The Isle of Dogs we oh. want to watch. We haven't seen it yet. Yeah. He also did, what was, what's the other one I'm trying to think of? Uh, the Royal Tenenbaums, I think he did. Yes. Yes. As well, and there's a few other smatterings in there. I can't remember Rushmore. What did, did he do Rushmore? I don't remember. <laughs> I just know that one of the characters in the movie, a uh, voice actor, is a fella named Jason Schwartzman, and he's been in every single Wes Anderson movie. Same thing with, but uh, let me just come off that. The movie came out in 2009. It is a stop motion movie. It's great. It's also based off a Ronald Dahl book. For those who don't know who Ronald Dahl is, Ronald Dahl wrote the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I forget the actual real title. The BFG, which came out... That's Big, Big Friendly Giant. Big, yeah, The Big Friendly Giant. He wrote that book, this one, and several other... They tend to be slightly darker childhood books. Yeah, Big Friendly Giant was a movie... Wow, I'm blanking. Big director. Spielberg? Yeah, Spielberg did Big Friendly Giant. And I guess it tanked as much as a Spielberg movie can tank. We watched that movie. It was all right. I, I enjoyed it. I thought yeah. it was really good. It was weird. I, mean, I imagine about as weird as the book probably was, and even his other works, as weird as this movie, Fantastic Mr. Fox, is. Briefly, a brief rundown of some of the bigger... There's a bunch of people who do voices, but some of the bigger names, like the main, the main slew, is the actual Fantastic Mr. Fox is voiced by George Clooney. His wife is Meryl Streep. Their son is the Jason Schwartzman fella that I mentioned earlier. That's the family of foxes. There's also Bill Murray, Willem Dafoe, and Owen Wilson. And kind of the whole point of this movie is the Fantastic Mr. Fox is he has been stealing food every night. A couple of, I think it's three, maybe four farmers, wealthy, mean, angry farmers in the area. And those farmers go... Okay, we're tired of being outsmarted by a dang fox. Let's come together and we're going to get that fox. We're going to go to the woods and we're going to dig down and find his home and beat him up. One problem is they're stupid. Beat up a fox? I mean, they're, they're going to kill him. The whole point is to kill him. Yeah. This is not a children's movie. It is. Really? It's a child's it's an animated movie. Yeah. If I'm well, not... an, animated doesn't make it a child's There's no movie. blood, gore, language. It's, I but think I it's like PG. It, I, I remember when we watched it, it was rather thick with dialogue. More than what a kid would be able to follow. I mean, I'll say PG-13. Definitely a teenager could enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, as long as they're not... Unless, maybe don't take your kids out. Maybe don't sit with your kids and watch this. They'll, they'll get bored. It's it talking, is heavy talking, dialogue. Talking, talking, talking. But I love it. I think it's a fantastic movie. Fantastic. It's, yeah. <laughs> but, of course, these farmers think they can outwit the fantastic Mr. Fox. He instead goes around to the all the forest animals. He talks to the otters the badgers, a few other foxes, the weasels, and they all get together and like, hey... Are all those actors you mentioned earlier, are they the heads of these other families? Some of them, yes. Some of them, I'm not going to ruin them, but yeah, some of them are in there. You'll know their voice, like... So. You should definitely know these voices. I'm talking, like I said, Meryl Streep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just just wonder if they had, like, the the big name... There's a lot of voice actors in the movie, but the big names were the... Maybe the moms and dads of all the other little... Yeah. The, animal households. The one that I, I did make special note to write is the, I think it's the father of the Weasel family, Stan Weasel, is actually voiced by Wes Anderson himself. Oh, he cool. so he do he's do his own voice in there. And the Fantastic Fox's plan, it, all the farmers are like we're gonna get him, and he goes, mm, I'm a lot smarter than you guys, and so he goes to form a, his own plan, and that's to get all the animals in the forest as well as a few that work on their actual farms to go, mm, I think we should turn on them. And it's a really good movie. It's very good. I highly recommend watching it. It's awesome. If you love this animated thing like stop motion and stuff like that, it's not like a... I don't, I don't think it's like a Laika movie. If you know Laika, who does like Coraline and... Box Trolls, Coraline, Kubo, that Missing Link coming out. Missing Link. Uh, and Paranormal. Paranormal. That's what I forgot. Paranormal. Those are all stop motion too. This one looks a little. I don't know, this one looks quite a bit different, though it's still. Well, because I think stop motion. they used actual stop motion for this, while the Leica uses computer. Hey, no, they, 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 well, I've seen the videos. They use something. I think they use the computer 
to help. You have to use a computer. I mean, I mean, you know what I mean. But they they use a special form that they that they've created yeah, to, to make, make it run a lot smoother and not yeah. so choppy like some well, stop motion. I don't, I don't, Mr. Fox isn't choppy, is it? Like, I don't. It just really. it's, it's just like they're made. If you like the other movies, like Coraline and all them are like they're more like clay, like claymation and stop motion. Most of them are. Uh, I feel like this was was this more doll like. Maybe it could have been more. I don't think this wasn't clay. I, no, it wasn't clay. Was I've it? been a minute since I've actually seen it, so I don't know. I don't think it was clay. I think these are more more of a doll stop motion, not like a robot chicken or anything, but that closer to robot well, chicken they, than like a movies. Because well, they didn't use claymation; they used like felt and puppets. Yeah, that's what they puppets, dolls. Yeah. Anyway, uh, regardless, if you are a fan of Wes Anderson and you've seen some of his other movies and you haven't seen this because you're like, I don't know how I feel about it, it's funny. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's great. I highly recommend watching it. it. Just just for the cast alone, if anything. Maybe. That's all I got, because I don't want to spoil the movie. Uh, yeah. Okay. I don't want to ruin dialogue. Uh, remember, don't watch the trailer. Yes. That's sort of, We're going to stick by that. Do not watch the trailer for this movie. Just, if you've seen any other Wes Anderson film, if you like stop motion, or if you really like foxes, or animals in general who are fighting back the man, just go watch the movie. I'm sure you can find it anywhere, but I'm not going to Google search for you where you can find this, but check your streaming services, check Amazon, buy it, rent it, stream it. Anything else? You're doing pretty good. I think I did pretty good. I'm trying to see where you could rent it or watch it real quick. Just said we're not going to do that. Did you? We can't do all the work for them. Do it yourself, people. Yeah, I don't really have anything else. Anyway, I guess with that, we're going to wrap up episode three right here. We're going to try to have this out for you. Out, not necessarily... Probably out before the 4th. It should be. So people have, if they're doing any driving like we're doing, people can have at least an hour or so, or however long this is, of some, we'll say, half-decent entertainment. Now, I, won't um, say, I won't say great entertainment. This is amazing. This is a quality product built by people who care about what you're putting in your ear holes. In your eye holes. Eye holes? There's no eye holes here. If we, did, movie, if we did video, nobody would ever touch this. I'm talking about movies and video games. You use your eye holes. Oh, whatever. Wrap it up. Yeah. Everyone have a good evening and good day.